Karen could use a few things. <laughs> First, I'm going to say... Break a fucking rule, Karen. <laughs> she could use a good surrendering orgasm. True. I mean, there's people that we walk by on the street where we're like, she needs an orgasm. Totally. <laughs> and that sounds sort of flippant, but it is real because it puts you into that place of surrender. I mean, it can. That's why I say surrendering orgasm. She could also develop a self-practice for connection into her body and out of her head, out of her rules and regulations and into what's happening in my body, right? So I would also tell her to look into the work of London Angel Winters. Seek out more time in nature. Be in nature. See that it's perfectly imperfect. You are listening to The Medicine Podcast. I am Mimi. What is up, everybody? This is Chase. So long story short, we were childhood sweethearts turned husband and wife in our early 20s. Despite following the mainstream script for happiness, we actually divorced for three years. Only to later reunite as soulmates with a brand new outlook on love, God, health, and the real medicines of the universe. If you find yourself wondering, is there more to this life, to health, to God, to love? Then you are in the exact right place. Consider this your bridge to expansion for body, mind, and relationships. We are uncovering and discovering with you. Let's go take the medicine. Welcome back to the Medicine Podcast. This is episode 97. Woo! <laughs> and we are under the red hat today. 1997. It was a great year. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we're three away from Hundo. Yes. <laughs> 1997 why'd you just throw that I was trying to think of something creative to go with 97 and the only thing I could think of was uh when the Bulls went um to the NBA finals in the 97-98 season played the Utah Jazz very uh memorable game six shot from Michael Jordan in that series so I thought of 97 in reference to (laughs) 1997 and the Chicago Bulls. This is my life where you're like, no, I know I was this age because that's the year that the Bulls played the Raptors in the... (laughs) It really is how I remember times and places is by like basketball seasons. Yes. No, it's it's whatever you got to do. Makes sense. Yeah, I think so. Well, uh, we have an awesome episode today, and I'm really excited about this episode because we are all about expansion and expansive topics and conversations, of course. Uh, We always kind of focus on tearing down old belief systems and inquiring into ourselves and our inner world. And this episode is going to be um, right along with all of that, uh, sort of an awareness of, would you like to explain? We have talked a lot about masculine and feminine energies. Mm -hmm. We've dissected this, we've evaluated these. And today what we're doing is we're looking at masculine and feminine archetypes, not necessarily the archetypes that we're wanting to aim for, rather the unbalanced, potentially shadow versions of masculine and feminine archetypes and how they play out in our world. This is definitely an episode where we're putting more of our attention on awareness Mm -hmm. and unearthing what these things we call kind of like toxic versions of masculine and feminine energies look like in our world so that we can start evaluating how they exist 
inside of us mm-hmm. might be a sliver, might be a, you know, log, <laughs> uh, as well as how we see it coming to fruition in our world as far as our relationships go, yeah. as far as what we're watching on television and movies and documentaries, what we're listening to, because these different versions of masculine and feminine archetypes are everywhere. Yep. So it's going to be helpful if we can put our awareness into identifying them and then potentially having a little bit of resources for kind of navigating around a way or putting these things back into balance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think when we go through these uh, six different archetypes, there's going to be plenty of people who are listening who are like, oh my gosh, that's my spouse or yeah. oh my gosh, that's my sister or oh my gosh, that sounds like me. Or, oh my gosh, this is what I thought men were supposed to be or mm-hmm. what women were supposed to be. And that's what we're going to sort of unearth, identify why it's unhealthy. And then and then less, uh, like we've done in other po- podcasts, less like here are the X amount of steps that you can use to get out of mm-hmm. and more of here's what you can probably start to pull on and identify yeah. as far as where these things show up in your life. Yeah. And, and none of this is black and white. There's a lot of gray and a lot of potential for things. And but, the, but this is fun. It is fun to, to pinpoint these things. Oh, yeah. Super fun. All right. But first. But first, my love, what do you got going on in your cup today? In my Let's Get Mushy mug, I have some delicious gold chocolate. Oh, come on. It's back. It's back and better than ever. <laughs> So gold chocolate from Organifi is a seasonal product and it's um, perfect for your coffee elixirs and your holiday treats, baking, pancakes, sprinkling it on toast, mixing it into yogurt. Like if anyone out there is still using gold chocolate, just mixing it in water, we're about to blow your brain. Which is still good. It's still good, but it's, it's, you know, you're basically just stepping on the lowest rung of the ladder. There's like 10 more rungs that can get you to the top. Yeah. I mean, one of the things I love about gold chocolate is the fact that in addition to tasting insane, like (laughs) there, there has to be something, uh, just magic that's in this for it to only have like one gram of sugar, but it's loaded with a bunch of adaptogens that are super supportive of rest. Yes. And really the entire physiology, like reishi mushroom, which is the queen. We talk about mushrooms all the time on this podcast, but reishi is one that we always come back to because it really supports the entire physiology from head to toe. It's sort of, it's supporting your cognitive system, your, um, your respiratory system, your cardiovascular system, your immune system, your endocrine system, which is your hormones, which is connected to everything basically in the body. And so with, you know, reishi being in here and using it on a regular basis, it's it's a great way to give your body, like gift your body, this immune and full body intelligence on a regular basis. Totally. I also love lemon balm. So Mm -hmm. recently I've talked about it on the podcast before, I've been struggling with sleeplessness. And one of the recommendations that I got from a naturopath was to increase my consumption of this magical thing called lemon balm. Well, it actually ends up being in Organifi Gold products that includes gold chocolate. So I have increased intentionally my consumption of lemon balm. It 
legitimately has translated to, as you can attest mm-hmm. to, deeper, longer bouts of sleep. Mm-hmm. So Absolutely. a ton of love for this product. Literally limitless opportunity for getting creative with it. Mm-hmm. I'm obsessed with making this my healthy mocha in the morning. So I'm mixing it with coffee, putting it on toast, like you mentioned, um, lines and shooting it off the table. <laughs> It's also great for kids. Yeah. Because like you and I grew up with like the sick Swiss uh, hot chocolate that has like the little like crusty marshmallows in it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) What were those made of even? I don't know. Like dust and concrete and dust and a little sugar. Probably a lot of sugar. (laughs) Um, But that literally one of those packets has probably 30 grams of sugar in it. And gold chocolate has one. And not only that, not only are you getting the absence of sugar, you're also getting an injection of immune support for if we're talking about kids, you know, their little bodies um, in the winter time, and turkey tail, which is great for um, the immune system, and then also cacao and turmeric, which is great for inflammation, and all these different spices and coconut milk powder, which makes it really creamy. And you give it to your kid, they're not going to know it's healthy. I got a little secret recipe on this one, mm. and it's bringing in another member of the Organifi family to the mix. I know what it is. Get get yourself some ice-cold milk alternative, you know, whether that be almond milk, coconut milk, and shit, you know, even water actually works. Mm-hmm. But you put Organifi green juice mixed with gold chocolate, you have a shamrock shake. Mm-hmm. It's cold. Not necessarily like the hot chocolate that, that you might traditionally think of with gold chocolate, but this thing blended together, real frothy, straight up shamrock shake. You could even add ice and some cacao nibs, and it would be an actual shamrock shake. Yeah. So the star of the show today, gold chocolate, gold chocolate baby. We love you. And if you want to get your hands on some gold chocolate, it is seasonal, so supplies will be limited. If you want to grab your own, you can get 20% off Organifi.com and use the code MIMIFIT, M-I-M-I-F-I-T. Organifyshop.com. Well, both. (laughs) (laughs) All right. You ready to jump into some unbalanced archetypes? Let's do it. All right. So the way that we have this set up is we have six archetypes, three from the feminine and three from the masculine. As always, putting out the disclaimer that we realize that everybody, depending, uh, uh, not depending on your gender, can have masculine and feminine Mm -hmm. attributes, traits, and really all of these archetypes within ourselves. But for the sake of this conversation today, for the sake of this podcast, typically when we talk about feminine energies and archetypes, we're going to be referring to female. And when we are talking about masculine archetypes and energies, going to be talking about men. Right. Yeah. We all have both masculine and feminine energies within us. And then we all have the potential for all of these archetypes, whether they're in balance or out of balance, also within us. They're everywhere. Archetypes are not, you know, set in stone, really. They are the fabric which makes up our psyche, inner world and outer world. And we are living in a very unbalanced, chaotic world where these archetypes tend to manifest in an unbalanced way. So think of them like personality profiles that we're going to be highlighting, ones that some of the most out-of-balanced versions of men and women that we see, we're highlighting them 
giving them kind of a fun name, referring to what characters might be familiar to the people listening as far as, you know, what these archetypes and how they show up in our world. Uh, and, and breaking down a little bit, you know, why they're harmful, where is this coming from, and really getting to the point of what does the balanced version of each mm-hmm. one of these unbalanced ones that we see in our world actually look like. And how, if someone is recognizing, like, I think I'm a little unbalanced yeah. in this, how can I start to shift towards balance? Where where can I even start? Key with all of these is realizing that all of us have the potential maybe even already have some slivers of these things showing up in our life today. So key key step number one with all of this, even going into this conversation is the humble realization that we are literally each one of these to a certain degree. Yes, absolutely. And as we always say, transformation starts with observation and listening first to yourself. Mm -hmm. So that in a nutshell is how we're going to go about this. And I was thinking that we could alternate male, female, male, female. What Let's do, you think? do it. I love it. All right. You want to start? Let's start. All right. Masculine, out of balance archetype. Number one, we've named this one the Oaf. <laughs> <laughs> and this is a character you might be familiar with if you're a kid of the 90s like we are with Tim the Toolman Taylor. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, everybody loves Raymond. According to Jim, these yeah. a lot of time father figure characters that exist in these shows, and we've named them the Oaf. And why? Well, the characteristics of these archetypes are often lazy. Yeah. There's a, a very little passion for life. Think the guy who wants to watch football and drink beer on the couch mm-hmm. all day long. Yeah, they're not winning any awards for like productivity. No, they're not interested in authentic leadership as partners or as fathers. The wife and kids are often considered a nuisance. You know, the old ball and chain mm-hmm. uh, phrase that's used. It's really a dog-like energy where the only sort of motivation for uh, increase in activity or interest is usually along the lines of like sex or food. (laughs) So in these shows, you often see the wife luring the husband to doing something by bribing him with like sex. Yeah. Um, Similarly, this, this archetype, which we're joking, but is all too real Mm -hmm. loves to play the victim. They love to avoid having to work hard or avoid confrontation with, with like their wife or their partner or their children. Mm -hmm. And um, so this is a, a, character that we're all familiar with from like television but we oh, see yeah. it play out in in dad life all oh, the yeah. time it's it's one of those weird things that is not only depicted in television it's uh almost like celebrated by entertainment like almost like laughing at it like right. we're laughing at the character but we're, we're not rejecting it we're kind of like allowing it and celebrating it in a weird way and that's why i want to talk about next is why is this harmful you yeah. know it's like what could be said is like, come on, it's funny, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's funny. And that's true. I, I, I get that and I appreciate that. And I like, I like that kind of humor every now and then. That being said, I think this depiction, one, in media, and two, the actual embodiment of this character in real life, which everybody listening has seen this individual, mm-hmm. 
it really does damage the proper polarity in relationship that that can exist by causing the feminine to quote unquote wear the pants yeah or turn into this kind of ball busting partner just in order to elicit a proper response from the masculine mm-hmm. he's kind of they, they groom each other, but in this case, we're speaking directly to the masculine, to the oaf. He is grooming his wife to be the the man or the or the um the one wearing the pants right. or the uh, sort of like a, a weird mother grown son relationship where she feels like she has to become a nag just to get him to get off the couch. Perfectly put. And what this does, although it does not directly suggest that the home environment, you know, consider, you know, looking at this individual like they're the father or the husband, it doesn't directly turn into a dangerous home environment per se. However, it definitely does not layer in this foundation of safety. The energy of the father, which, which should be this sort of steadfast, stable pillar of the home, if, if it comes out of you know, laziness or lack of passion or potentially, you know, manipulated by sex, that is a, that is not a sturdy pillar of what what family could be. Exactly. Yeah. It's a form of weakness. And so we see this showing up in TV and movies. We see it in probably the families and communities that we all grew up in, in America, especially, you know, from, from our lens. And although it's funny, it's a really, really low bar for young men. Uh, for relationships in general mm-hmm. and and for what a family could actually be when energies are balanced there's very very little emotional depth or intimacy in these relationships and family dynamics and that is a recipe for disaster right i think from the woman's perspective if this was the dynamic the woman is sort of groomed and pushed into maybe a role that she wasn't like. She wasn't like this when they got married. And because of, you know, the out of balance masculine, you know, they're certainly probably both out of balance, but the woman is pushed into this sort of nag character where she doesn't actually get to express her own feminine flow and sensuality and creativity and connection with the divine because She's too busy being in her masculine because her man isn't showing up the way that he could be. Totally. And uh, I think the more this gets leaned into in the media, the more we having these mirror neurons as consumers of, you know, media, TV, movies, social media, we, we start to mimic these things, even if they're not just innate within us we externally see that relationships play out in a particular way. And oddly enough, unless we can start being really conscious of what we're allowing into our, you know, behavioral patterns, oddly enough, this can translate into just mimicking the exact things that are literally meant for exaggerated comedy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think if uh, we are, (laughs) we're sort of like desensitized to it now at this point where it's just like, Oh yeah, that's just a character. But it's the reason why it's funny is because it's real. Right. So kind of moving on to the next piece of, of this evaluation, which is looking at what the proper archetype of the oaf should be. So what the oaf is, is it's an out of balanced shadow version of the king archetype or the father archetype 
And so what is that? What are some of the characteristics of what the balanced father, the balanced masculine king look like? Well, it's, it's centered. It's decisive. He is, is protective and he lives with integrity. This king or this father archetype would traditionally be providing order and stability. There's creativity and inspiration in this character. Uh, it's filled with blesses and, and praising of family members and partners. They, they really are a mission and goal-oriented individual whose purpose is to leave a legacy mm -hmm. and, and, a, and a positive one at that. So kind of wrapping up the oath and, and now that we know what this, this king archetype really could and should look like, how can we, as we observe these characters in our life, um, as we maybe even find some level of um, connection with that character. Maybe this is starting to show up in our life or we felt the urge to be kind of like the oaf character. Well, I think creating, getting into creation and getting more curious in general starts to trigger the, gravi the gravitational pull towards the king. I think if you consume less and actually listen more, you know, mm -hmm. maybe, maybe read more, broaden your horizons to experience a diverse life so that you can actually add practical wisdom to it. will start to push you towards the king or the father. Oddly enough, finding mentors, our, our world is, is completely crushed by having a lack of wise men or wise masculines. So finding somebody to look up to, mm -hmm. um, seeking that mentorship, meditating on your own core values and virtues, literally just getting down to telling, telling the truth and practicing integrity, even in the little things, even in the, even in the petty conversations that you might have with your family or your significant other. Um, really taking a hard look. So many of these out of balanced masculines come back to uh, a disconnect with the, the mother. Mm -hmm. And so evaluating your relationship with your mother, what does that look like? Is it healthy now? Was it healthy when you were a child? And maybe start spelling out room for improvement uh, as far as your relationship to the feminine, the mother archetype of the feminine specifically really looks. And lastly, I, I think avoiding slippery slope temptations uh, under the, the very general categories of money, power, and sex for this type of the masculine, the oaf, is going to be really helpful as you try to evolve out of this archetype because the king and the father they they look to leverage money power and sex in a healthy way that contributes to a greater love experience where the oaf is going to have more of a tendency to fall into the cheap short-term very pleasure-driven versions of money power and sex mm -hmm. the dopamine the dopamine yeah no i think that that's great and and i think looking at it in partnership, you know, how does one, if a, if a guy is listening and he's growing up and he, maybe he has a partner and he wants to avoid, like, I don't want to become that. I don't want to become an oaf. How do I avoid that? I think one thing that you can start to do sort of prophylactically is start having open dialogue with your partner about tackling tasks and and the um kind of the logistics of everyday life i think that's where it starts a lot of times it starts with oh my wife will do that 
oh, my girlfriend will do that. Yeah, she's the one that cooks. Yeah. Yeah, she's, I mean, I work, she cleans, it's fine. Like, you kind of get into these gender roles, and I think that that's sort of where it can start. And it's really, really, really common. That's very low-hanging fruit. So I would say if you're a dude guy listening and you want to avoid turning into the oaf, I would say you do a a phenomenal job at this. And I can't speak highly enough in this area, but... I'll just say we have open dialogue about doing things around the condo or getting things done or whatever. There's no like gender roles for us. It's all like, hey, what needs to get done? How can we split it up most efficiently? So um, start with that. Yeah. I love that you're pointing to gender roles because that is the term that has captured these groomed runs that our society has put men and women into for some time. So that the simple request, my friends, is to challenge those roles and and really unearth why. Mm -hmm. So Tim Allen, I love you, my guy. Tim, the (laughs) tool man, Taylor, you crack me up. But uh, guys, take a a hard look uh, as to whether or not you are embodying any of these oaf characteristics. All Right. right. Moving on to the ladies. Yes. Number one. The out-of-balance first archetype that we're going to be talking about is the Karen. Oh, tough time to be Karen. (laughs) Tough time to be named Karen. We know a few Karens who are very sweet, including our neighbor who we love. And um, yeah, it's a tough time to be called Karen. But I think most people know immediately when we say, oh, she's such a Karen, you get an immediate mental picture of what that lady is probably like. Yeah. So uh, two examples in uh, the Harry Potter world would be Dolores Umbridge, definitely a Karen, yeah. and Petunia Dursley. I think a little bit different, but certainly f- both fall under the Karen Uh, archetype and obviously everybody's familiar you know covid really brought out karen (laughs) in full form it's like been been the high point of of uh kind of the the karen brand for some time now so everybody's got their own version of the karen but that's really what we're talking about here is this this kind of for lack of a better term bitch (laughs) hey homies whether you are wanting to improve your overall health build healthy muscle, or boost your immune function, what is not talked about enough is our sleep. We need regular, deep, restorative sleep in order for all of our body's different systems to operate at top notch, no matter what our goals are. This is where our good friends at Ned come through big time for me. The most effective combination I have found for quality sleep is the Sleep Blend Hemp Oil and the Mellow Magnesium Powder from Ned. I use both individually and in combination about an hour before bed and I sleep like a baby. If you wanna dive even deeper into all of Ned's incredible products and backstory, you can listen to episode number 49 of The Medicine where Chase and I interview Adrian Zimmerman, co-founder of Ned. And to give your body the blessing of great sleep ASAP, try these organic and wildcrafted products at helloned.com and you can use the code medicine, that's M-E-D-I-C-I-N for a nice discount. Then enjoy sleeping like a sweet, sweet baby. Cheers. 
<laughs> yes, I mean, I have more words than that to describe. Um, but this is someone who is quite overbearing. She's probably narrow-minded in her ways. Um, she, <laughs> speaking to COVID, she is uh, like a self-appointed public servant. You know, she's walking down the sidewalk and she will yell at you because you're outside without a mask. That's the Karen we're talking about. She wants to make sure that everything is in quote-unquote order and berates anyone and anything that is disturbing her idea of what order looks like. They always know best. And uh, you, you likely won't hear a Karen say, you know, I'm not sure, or I don't really know, or, you know, I'm really sorry about that. They're quite narcissistic in their ways, type A to the max, could be depicted as a sort of helicopter mom. You know, in relationship, um, this type of uh, out of balance, Karen is going to be emasculating her partner at every opportunity that she gets. You know, this is criticizing him, telling him how to do how to do the thing and, and what to do and uh, maybe making fun of him in front of other people. She's gaining her power by making her partner feel weaker. That's essentially what emasculating is. She's probably the one to drive, <laughs> um, you know, and if he drives, she's, she's telling always him. always on top. Always on top. She's orgasmed twice in her life. And that was to make children. There right. it was there was a goal associated with right. it. Um and but to Karen, emasculation doesn't feel like emasculation. It to her, it's just quote, good sense. Right. Um she may not have any really close friends, like true authentic friends, because people will generally feel judged by her. And I don't know about you, but I don't gravitate towards friends who I feel judged by. Um, I can love them from a distance, but I'm not trying to hang out with them. So any friends that she may have are likely other Karens. Pretty good depiction. The Karen Mafia, for sure. Yeah, I think everyone listening knows exactly who we're talking about and could probably point to a few uh, maybe in their school years or church. Yeah, so... so you know, kind of goes without saying a lot of these, we've all experienced the Karen. It's, it's so real right now, but why is this, you know, kind of a next layer, deep, deeper analysis? Like, why is this so harmful? Well, so this is sort of like the out of balance combination of the mother and the queen archetype. The queen is queen of her <laughs> kingdom. She is sort of in this position of power she can be she asserts herself but the queen in balance does it from a place of love and inclusion and same with the mother the mother is no judgment is nurturing is you know stable is, is um trustworthy and uh so this out of balance expression is going to be not reflecting of love and light and acceptance, but more so judgment and harshness. So this is sort of like everyone around her walks on eggshells, which can really stifle intimate connection, whether that's with friends or acquaintances, family, definitely her partner. Her partner's not going to feel safe around her. And, um, you know, a Karen might be paired with an oaf, quite well yeah and I say well meaning their deficiencies are going to fit together like puzzle pieces but they're both going to be unsatisfied in life and um, they're not going to be the fullest expressions of who they could be 
So a Karen could be someone that an oaf has pushed into the pants of a Karen. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds weird. But um, they will definitely be prone to dogmatic ways of thinking and closed belief systems. So if this person is a mother, that's the example that they're going to be setting for their children, which is like, this is what we believe. This is what you do. This is right and wrong. No exceptions. This is what you have to do to be an upstanding citizen. If you don't, you're bad. Like that's, ex- that I'm exaggerating, but you get the point. Um, so her sort of my way or the highway approach to life is really lacking in any sort of empathy and compassion for another's perspective or point of view or situation. And ultimately also, if she's portraying that, if she's projecting that onto other people, she's also doing that to herself yeah. and her inner world. Critical point. So much of the Karen's external behavior is what she has done to herself internally or where there's a lack. Mm -hmm. So if she is continually following rules to the nth degree and busting everybody's balls who doesn't follow those rules, if she is abiding by regulatory bodies and keeping a stat sheet of all the things that she has done well and where she's held others accountable for not doing well, she's essentially trying to create enough of a resume for her to feel valued externally due to the fact that deep down, kind of layers and layers and layers deeper, she has a gaping hole of lack Mm -hmm. and, and insecurity and unfulfilled within her, both by herself and by others because because there's a, an inability to let people in. Yeah, and I think holding others to an extreme and probably unattainable uh, bar of success or perfection, she's doing that to herself on a daily basis. Totally. So if we wanted to, if someone's listening and they're like, okay, that's my mom or that's me or that's my wife or whoever, like we all know a Karen. If Karen wants to get into balance if she wants to evolve into balance she can start by peeling away those layers by asking why and this is a this is a method that a lot of people talk about where if you want to get to the root of an issue of in your psyche right just keep asking why 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 do you think that well why why did that come about and and you, you keep asking why and you could get to something questions like well, why did you why did you feel like you had to be so perfect and proper as a child? What did you feel like you had to do to gain love? What happened if you weren't perfect? Were you maybe being compared to a sibling and you felt like you had to be extra perfect so you could get attention from mom and dad? Um, was your household maybe unpredictable? And so you overcompensated by developing this impossible standard for perfection because you thought to yourself, well, I'm never going to run a household like this or I'm never going to be this type of mom who is not not aware. Um, and then I think also asking, uh, is there a maybe religious link, like a dogmatic religious link? Maybe you have an idea of, who or what God is and and what he or she may do to you if you don't behave a certain way. There's certainly some of that in our 
I will speak for myself in in my own psyche. I know that there there has been that in the past. I think that that's really a, an easy place to get to when you grow up with uh, sort of dogmatic religious beliefs. So whatever the reason or the root, um, because we know that Karen is sitting in her masculine way too much, she's sort of disconnected from her flowy, sensual, creative, dancing feminine, right? And so Karen could use a few things. (laughs) First, I'm going to say... Break a fucking rule, Karen. She could use a good surrendering orgasm. True. I mean, there's people that we walk by on the street where we're like, she needs an orgasm. Totally. (laughs) And that sounds sort of flippant, but it is real because it puts you into that place of surrender. I mean, it can. That's why I say surrendering orgasm. Um, She could also develop a self-practice for connection into her body and out of her head, out of her rules and regulations and into what's happening in my body, right? So I would also tell her to look into the work of London Angel Winters. Seek out more time in nature. Be in nature. See that it's perfectly imperfect. Yeah, synchronize with something that is feminine. Yes. And that is nature. Also ask yourself, where can I be creative? Where can I let creativity flow in my life? Maybe it's singing or playing an instrument or maybe it's dancing. Maybe it's art right? Art therapy or a a sculpture class or something. I think allowing yourself to get into those creative spaces will allow that that femininity to flow. And then that connection with your body also, I mean, that's never a bad idea for a woman. Totally. It is time to cure Karen. Cure the Karen. Mm. Need that on a shirt. Love that. Yeah. So that's the Karen. Let's jump back into... What you got for number two on the masculine? All right. This one, everybody's going to know. Out of balance version of the masculine, the fuck boy. 2021 has never been more popular for the fuck boy. And uh, you may be familiar with this character. You might uh, have seen him. We like to reference Mike, the situation from the Jersey Shore. If you ever watched that show um, from how I met your mother, this would be Barney. Uh, the character Barney. Um, if you've seen Bridesmaids, John Hamm's character is the, is the the kind of asshole, hit it and quit it boyfriend yeah. that uh, Kristen Wiig has this sort of on again, off again relationship with. And I don't think there needs to be too many more examples because they're literally, you know, everywhere you turn <laughs> in our life right now are these are these characters that we call the fuck boy. So what are these characteristics? All right, I could I could do this all day. Right. Uh, it, it kills me on how much I see this, but I'll, I'll list a few. They're typically a smooth talker. They're hyper-concerned with looking cool. They're very, quote-unquote, fun. They make big promises at first and oftentimes deliver a great first date, but they lack consistency. They lack commitment. They're big storytellers, and the lies actually start to add up. They're constantly looking and using their phone, especially at other women, even in the middle of a conversation. There is very little deep conversation, and they want to stick to jokes and sex, pretty consistently always talking about themselves. You might see them begging for nudes. (laughs) They don't want to label the relationship. Right. There's usually a pretty unhealthy relationship to the mother. We can talk about that a little bit more in a minute. 
They've got lots of crazy exes they like <laughs> to refer to. His friends are also fuckboys. Mm-hmm. And they talk shit about other girls' appearance specifically. And all in front of other fuckboys and other girls. So that is just a 1% of all the characteristics of these kind of douchebags that are sitting out there. Yeah, we kind of had to cut it off because we could make a whole podcast Totally. And again, the realization that like this has the potential of existing within myself. Totally. And, and again, why this kind of fires me up, knowing that there's a version of me, and there has been versions of me, that, uh, hopefully only a fraction of this, that have manifested and have shown up. So so why is it so harmful to be a fuckboy? The fuckboy is forever searching for that one thing, that one person or that one experience that will make him feel like he's alive, like he's full, like he's a real man. We know that is fleeting. That is insatiable. Instead of a confidence and a foundation of self-love, the fuckboy uses a combination of how many girls he can hook up with and the short-term pleasure of sex to actually find his worth. We know that will never be enough. The fuckboy objectifies women. It preys on the insecurity or at least the, the passion for the feminine to want love. And so many of them are authentically looking for it. Mm -hmm. This is where women tend to look in all the wrong places because of that kind of what we talked about a minute ago with these characteristics, that immediate kind of smooth talking, passionate, you had the best first date of your life, maybe the best sex of your life, yet that's it. Mm -hmm. Women perceive his outstanding persistence as real interest. And they let down their guard too soon. Letting someone in who has no intention of sticking around for more than a casual, unlabeled hookup. Oftentimes this comes from a feminine uh, wound, like I mentioned earlier. Or a feminine imbalance stemming most of the time from the mother or maybe even an early relationship. For instance, a mother who spoils her son, where there's a strong codependency, mother to son, can actually contribute to this entitlement as men walk into adulthood. And as they start to date and interact with women, little regard for uh, the individual that they might be dating, knowing that they're entitled to sex. Mm -hmm. If there is a mother wound or an early relationship wound, this can also contribute to kind of revenge attempt, maybe not conscious, but an unconscious revenge on the feminine by literally hitting and quitting on repeat as a way to hurt the collective feminine energy. Mm -hmm. Which is sort of crazy, but it's probably so subconscious. It is. I think a lot of times in this version, it is it is subconscious. Yeah. And so the archetype that's really behind the fuckboy is the lover. And the lover is a balanced masculine archetype of emotion, of feeling, of idealism and sensuality. The word lover is, is sensual. And... Sensuality is often exclusively associated with sex, but it really has a, a much broader application. Sensual means opening up and using all of your senses in all areas of life, touching, tasting, smelling, hearing, seeing. In other words, just experiencing as many dimensions of life as possible, as often as possible. That's different than just sex. When a man taps into the lover archetype energy and is in full balance, he feels alive, he is vital and has vigor, uh, has connection to a host of different things around the world instead of just 
the sexual act itself. A man who is aligned with the lover archetype feels deeply, leaving a full and satisfied result instead of what we've been talking about with the fuckboy, a shallow result, a pleasure-filled experience that leaves more uh, to be desired for a, a craving that is never completely satiated. I feel like what you just explained, and uh, someone could be listening and be like, so basically 95% of college guys ever? Totally. Yep. And so it makes me wonder, like, is this also just a stage that a man sort of, I don't want to say must go through, but goes through at some point to experience that and the lack, right? The lack of satiation that you're talking about so that when they do come into balance, they have a reference point of, oh, that wasn't good. This is so much more fulfilling. You're bringing up a great point. And I actually put this in here and, and, and making a claim that the lover archetype of the masculine is the most repressed and stunted archetype in men that I actually see today. The pivot from the fuckboy to the lover, back to your point, there's a natural evolution that a man goes through, that the masculine goes through, where they are insatiably obsessed with things of, of sensuality, and that mm -hmm. includes sex, but it gets so hyper-focused on sex, partly because our world just shoves it in every, yeah. you know, crevice and facet. Right. So, so that's all you can see. But the way to kind of pivot this is to start taking more time to really enjoy the things that bring you pleasure in life not just p the pleasure itself. Mm -hmm. So getting really familiar with not just the pleasure. So if we're talking about sex, it's not just the orgasm, like the constant pursuit for the orgasm. Mm -hmm. It is the entire process that leads up to it. And this can translate into food as well. It's every bite. It's not it's, just a snack. It's the it's, whole meal. It's the preparation process. Um, since the fuckboy is like an addict forever looking for the high and will need more and more to satisfy, cultivating moderation and being really present in your life will start to push this fuckboy vibe off. Mm -hmm. Instead of reaching for more, stop and experience the things you already have and do it in a deeper way. Use all of your senses. Turn everyday activities into indulgent pleasure-inducing rituals. Perfect example. I love working out. Instead of slamming a bunch of supplements for pre-workout, um, jamming music in my ears, trying to get through the workout as hard as possible, as quick as possible, just to be done so that I can say that I've done the workout and get that sort of after-workout buzz, what if I get familiar with and comfortable with every process, every movement, every uh, putting my awareness on my body and the muscles that I'm working and thoroughly enjoying that 45 minutes of exercise and then completely enjoying the end result. Mm -hmm. That's different than, or that can be so quickly translated into something like the sexual experience or the experience of being with a woman. Mm -hmm. The more you lean into the present moment, let's just say with a, with a significant other on a date and you're a fuck boy <laughs> and you're sitting and you're, you're sitting in the presence and you're, you're fully, optimizing the moderation of the exchange you're going to start to empathize you're yeah. going to start to see them as a human being not just a body exactly <laughs> you're not concerned with the pleasure as much as the process when you hit that pleasure it's not going to be 
insustainable. It's not going to be uh, a dopamine hit as much as it's going to be this this beautiful culmination of of a of an interchange and an interaction that you've put real energetic investment into that comes back in a way that is really satiating. And so I've kind of articulated some of these practices on how you can how you can pivot the fuck boy into the lover, uh, but more even even going back to what you were speaking to earlier, getting out in nature, start falling in love with the feminine. That doesn't have to be the woman necessarily as much as things that are feminine, like getting into nature. Um, you can also just take more time for learning about romance. This sounds kind of weird, guys, but become a little bit of a sap. <laughs> Whether that's a classic love story, you know, an, an old movie, um, or maybe it's getting creative with the people you are dating, love notes and flowers and falling in love with the process of romancing your significant other instead of the manipulation and the scheme and the pickup lines just to have sex is going to be really beneficial for sort of like changing the trajectory of how you treat women to avoid the fuck boy and become the lover. This is really interesting because as I'm hearing and listening to you speak, it's taking someone who is in a, in a sort of 100% domineering um, sort of manipulative, toxic masculine, like 100%. And to become a more balanced masculine, that, that expression of the masculine, you actually have to step into your feminine totally. a little bit more, which is the feeling, the sensuality, the romance that you just talked about. So a more balanced masculine is less masculine or giving up some of that masculine and transmuting it into a balanced feminine energy that is within all of us. Yeah. And, and this is definitely a topic for another podcast and, and maybe even bringing a specialist in here, but the behavioral patterns of the fuck boy are trickling into downstream flooding everywhere. Mm -hmm. I'm, we're not just talking about poor relationships. I'm talking about physical manifestations. There's a, there's a, there's an epidemic of testosterone issues and erectile dysfunction in young men. Mm -hmm. And it is because of the obsession with the pleasure and not the process and the formula for building pleasurable life experience into your day-to-day -day and into your relationships. We can go into this later, and I definitely want to leave more to be desired here. Maybe even bring on you know a specialist in this area. But it is it is not talked about some of the real issues that are showing up for people who choose the fuck boy life mm -hmm. um, down the road. Yeah, I think, yeah, perfectly put. And it's something that we'll continue to come back to because it's, it's not like it's going away <laughs> right. tomorrow. So that wraps up number two on the masculine unbalanced archetype. And I'm pretty excited to hear about this one for the feminine. Yes. So number two, unbalanced feminine archetype is the aspirational influencer emphasis on the ass <laughs> and I sort of got cheeky here pun intended but you know I didn't have any specific I'm not going to call anyone out but we all know the girl or woman on Instagram whose page is riddled with basically 95 percent 
uh, just her booty, right? right? Where she's pairing a picture of her barely clothed with a sort of random or mediocre, like inspirational quote that she probably just Live, Googled. Laugh, love. Right. Yeah. Where it's like, I hope you're living to the best that your soul can because that's what you deserve or something like, right. like so dumb. And we all, we all know these. I wasn't going to call anyone out, but I mean, scroll for like more than 10 minutes and you'll find plenty. So the characteristics of the aspirational influencer, you know, she's she's really relying heavily on her looks to feel validated in life, whether that's in her career or in her relationships, in her friendships. Um, She will certainly disrespect herself if it means attracting male attention, whether it be healthy or unhealthy. Um, she over-sexualizes herself uh, and seems confident, but probably has very negative inner talk. She's probably pretty prone to body dysmorphia and or eating disorders to manipulate her appearance because she's constantly not good enough and wants to be sexier, wants to be better. Um, you know, can't go anywhere without looking on point and having a full face of makeup because God forbid I need to take a selfie or a picture or someone see me or, you know, the guy that I have a crush on or the guy that I swiped right on. Like, what if he sees me, right? And if we dig into these, if we start asking why and pulling back the layers, we're probably going to find a family uh, dynamic or childhood where there was maybe an absent or emotionally unavailable male presence. Maybe she had a dad, but he didn't give her individualized attention or he didn't or he compared her or he was working all the time and just like didn't pay her any attention or maybe she didn't have one at all and maybe her mom had boyfriends coming in and out and maybe that was modeled to her that you get what you want in life because of the men that you attract and are associated with so obviously this is very harmful (laughs) but some details on why Um, So this would be a sort of of out-of-balance combination um, of the lover. You know, the lover can be a a masculine, Mm -hmm. certainly can be a feminine. And the lover in women is our connection to, and really for men too, connection to sensuality, creativity, passion, and our innate ability to captivate. So instead of relying on authenticity and um, allowing my own soul to be seen to captivate someone, she relies on physical appearance and manipulation maybe, like dangling a sexy photo or a nude or whatever in front of the male to receive that feeling of being desired and loved and important where if we peel back the layers and we're looking at why 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 well she probably wants to feel desired and loved and treasured and it's just coming out in this sort of diseased type way that we're all so familiar with that desire at the root is there's nothing wrong with that it's just being expressed in a way that is you know probably going to do her some harm So this all primes her to believe that her worthiness is conditional and it is based on all of these external values, how I look, how I am at parties, whose attention can I get, how many likes, how many follows, how many, you know, all of that. 
And any attention she receives from this place is going to be fleeting and unsatisfactory. It's going to be short-lived. And she probably attracts probably a, a, a decent amount of fuckboys. <laughs> All right, real talk. If you're anything like me, finding quick foods that are actually healthy and intentionally sourced is not the easiest task these days. Take something like jerky. 99% have added sugars, preservatives, and are sourced from conventional, non-organic farms from stressed and possibly diseased animals. Yikes. Okay, what about protein or granola bars? Oftentimes these bars have way more sugar than protein, and the protein itself is usually bottom of the barrel, cheap, and low quality. We used to have the hardest time while traveling, like what the heck are we supposed to eat when we need something quick? Then I discovered Paleo Valley. Hallelujah! Chase and I's favorite when we need something convenient, like during travel. The beef or turkey sticks and superfood bars are literally an answer to my prayers. They are made from real whole foods with no added sugars or mystery ingredients and are super delicious. Even kids love them. Get this, Paleo Valley sources their meat and their bone broth protein exclusively from organic regenerative farmers. The animals are pasture-raised, grass-fed their entire life, and the farmers themselves are practicing regenerative farming. This means that they are actually healing our Earth's soil rather than killing it and stripping it like conventional farms. I feel so good knowing that I'm blessing my body with high-quality foods and supporting our Earth and future generations by supporting Paleo Valley. If you want to try for yourself, you can use the direct link in the show notes to check out Paleo Valley and use the code MEDICINE, that's M-E-D-I-C-I-N for a discount, or just check them out in our medicine cabinet at getmimifit.com. We're bringing you only the best, boo. Cheers. Well, and that's the thing I was going to say is the, the aspirational influencer is doing this to herself where she's dehumanizing herself mm -hmm. and that contributes to it's not the res it's not the reason for but it contributes to this transactional thirst right from the masculine that i can hit it and quit it because mm -hmm. it is just an it it's not a human that has has emotions and depth right. and feeling and this beautiful code to crack yeah, absolutely. No, that's a really good point. Um, and so even though she has, you know, a significant amount of attention from the outside, she's going to feel very empty, very lonely, probably, even though she says she has a lot of friends, a lot of, you know, potential suitors and hookups and things like that. It's a very lonely world. And again, this isn't putting sh any shame on any woman out there, any specific girl or anything. I have these I have these certain aspects in myself. They've certainly been expressed, not to a, a crazy degree, but they've been expressed at one time or another. And I'm so glad that I have that reference point now where I, I are absolutely do not want anything even close to that. And so how I've sort of evolved into balance and how I would recommend someone else who feels like they're in this space evolve and invite themselves back into balance um, 
homegirl needs to connect <laughs> with her inner child on a deep level. I would start asking questions like, what did you want most from your parents and maybe specifically your dad or your father figure that you, you felt like you couldn't get? Mm. What did you need to feel truly loved? Whatever the answer was, you know, maybe it's something like, I'll speak to my own, my own um, situation when I was a child was I had a dad, but I never had like individualized attention to feel like, no, Megan, you are important just for being you. Whatever you do, I'm going to love you no matter what. You're important. You're beautiful. You matter. Like he was there. My dad was stable. He was strict. You know, I knew he loved me, but I never felt like individualized attention. And so this could be, you know, a, a very, I'm, I'm sure this is a really common, you know, uh, situation. Yeah, if you've never felt validated on who you are from your center, from your core, at best, you'll have to develop and realize that you are worthy yeah. of love from what you entail within yourself. Mm -hmm. At worst, it's an inability to have ever identified that you are worthy based not on your ass, but on who you are as a human being and as a soul from your depths. Mm -hmm. And thus you have to leverage your ass, your Instagram, these material external things in order to receive attention, AKA love and lead to this unbalanced archetype. Yeah, exactly. And so what she needs to do ultimately, and it, it's a it's a progression, it's a journey, it's not a flip of a switch, but just gaining awareness of where we're at and then start to view yourself as your own mothering, fathering being. Mm -hmm. Where we, I, I, you know, we can blame our parents, but they're, that's not going to get us anywhere, right? We can blame like, oh, I didn't have a dad, so I have daddy issues now. I know it, I know it, I know it. Well, what do you want to do about it? So the first thing is like assigning yourself like, no, I am my own mother and father. Maybe it wasn't perfect, but I'm stepping into this role now. What do I need to give myself? And oftentimes I think that's this practice of knowing that I am worthy just because I am, just because I exist. That alone is a miracle in and of itself. And that is worth being loved no matter what my Instagram page looks like. So understanding that anything we need, we can find it within ourselves first. And I think that that's really important. We stop, once we start going inside ourselves for these things that feel really satisfying, we can then recognize when we're not getting that from a human. And we can start, I think, I think this naturally, when a woman treats herself this way, it naturally invites people and male attention into her life that is more balanced um, because she's setting totally. the bar of how she wants to be treated. And suddenly <laughs> uh, a fuck boy is like, ugh, stop, get away from me. It's like, no, I, I actually deserve so much better. And if you don't want to know me as a person, like that's okay. We're not yeah. for each other. Uh, a fuck boy will, will actually feel intimidated in that environment yeah. and know that they're, shallowness will not be able to hang. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Perfectly put. So last thought on this, when you start to transition from this aspirational <laughs> influencer, you will attract more people into your life who are interested in what your soul has to offer, 
rather than just your body. Mm. So good. (laughs) All right. Number three, last one for the masculine. We are talking about an all too familiar unbalanced masculine archetype. And this one we've named the dictator. Emphasis on the dick. Emphasis on the dick. Uh, you might be familiar with this type of individual. It often is is the abuser, um, you know, the 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 very controlling individual. Uh, if you've seen Titanic, I think I think the character's name is Cal. Mm-hmm. It's the the boyfriend of the fiance of yeah uh, Rose's fiance. Rose's fiance. Or if you've seen great movie by the way, completely under the radar, eighties uh, early nineties movie maybe Sleeping with the Enemy. Julia Roberts. Julia right? Roberts. Yeah. yeah, definitely put that one on your list because it's a fun one. Um, but this controlling oftentimes abusive husband boyfriend partner father etc so what are the what are these characteristics well they're controlling they're controlling by way of criticism by verbal abuse Um, sometimes it's financial control maybe it's isolation cruelty belief that they have special rights for some reason (laughs) without any responsibility associated with it they maintain unreasonable expectations of their significant other, of their partners, and the people that are in their lives. There is an expectation that they should always be the center of attention. Um, as a woman or a partner, you're often viewed as less than. Mm-hmm. Uh, women and children are kind of like this property that's owned by the dictator, and he can use tactics of confusion. Uh, distortion lies all to manipulate this person is a narcissist they may project an image of themselves as good or even start portraying to others or even even the partner as you know you're crazy and you're the one who's actually abusive there's often an externalization of responsibility by just blaming anything and everything but themselves for the shit that's going wrong in their life you will not be unfamiliar with yelling, screaming, anger, outbursts, and unfortunately, the reality that this is where abuse comes from so often in the mm-hmm. household. So we could go on more, but that is generally kind of the characteristic of, of the dictator. And so why is this harmful? The dictator deeper archetype is actually the what's called the tyrant in masculine archetypes and it's really the abuser these are all forms of abuse these characteristics that i listed that leave traumatic imprints on anyone much less their romantic partners that come into contact with them the dictator seeks to destroy and tear down fully ingrained in narcissism he actually does not uh, think that or he he actually does think that he sits at the center of the universe um wrongly believes that power is finite that that scarcity mindset that scarcity mentality that if you have the power that means i don't have any power so i'm going to take it from you so there is no understanding for the actual truth that power and influence can actually increase the more that you share it with others it's it's abundant and so the burden of maintaining this illusion of absolute power uh, makes them incredibly insecure. Any threat to their authority or their supremacy just completely throws them into rage, causes them to lash out. And this is the formula for and why this 
uh, archetype is so freaking harmful for abuse. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's sometimes the under-the-radar abuse of emotional and energetic abuse. It's verbal abuse and physical abuse that is so prevalent in our world. What about, like, nationwide abuse? Right. Like right. These, uh, this can be collectively embodied. I mean, well. I'm thinking about I could name 10 politicians I know that <laughs> I don't know personally, but I can I that fit into this like, holy crap. So so even when the very external loud version of the dictator is silenced. So let's say they're not directly abusing, even in those moments when it seems somewhat dormant, they are still looking at people as objects Mm -hmm. to exploit for their own gain yeah like commodities totally and this as we as we look at this really fucked up version of the masculine (laughs) archetype super fucked up is a completely off track part of what's called the king archetype which we already talked about but also the magician archetype and that's leaning into the kind of the manipulator the magician archetype is that of an alchemist, someone who uses and leverages and optimizes the energies of themselves and others for the collective good, for the mm-hmm. collective purpose of service to others and service to love. The magician out of balance, which is the dictator, is the manipulator. So we talked a little bit about the king above, and so I would, I would go back to that part in the episode and talk about those those characteristics and how you can sort of uh, transition from uh, the manipulator, the tyrant, into what the king can truly embody. Um, but speaking more to the magician, how you can start to lean into the magician archetype would be by using wisdom, using experiences, using learnings and knowledge to create unity, to bring others together for a greater good, closer to love, and really embodying selflessness, empathy, and understanding. Ultimately, the biggest thing here is like embodying the behavior and the energy that you are requesting from others will differentiate you from the dictator or the tyrant from the from the one who is the magician by being that servant leader. Solution, this is a hard one. Dictator is is you're down the path a long ways, mm-hmm. and and this is different than the oaf who is portrayed as very dumb. Yeah, the dictator's smart. They're smart. Spend time alone. So much of dictatorship comes from codependent relationships where there's entitlement and there's expectation for others to do something for you. And I think gaining power from from putting others down. Totally. Spend time alone, on your own, building your own independence. Something I want to talk about is the rite of passage Mm. and how critical it is for masculinity in general to have a rite of passage. Every archetype. In this case, this person needs a complete rewiring of the energies and the systems with which they embody their masculinity. And a rite of passage could be that proper protocol. Yeah. And there's a lot of ways that traditions have done this. You know, plant medicine is one that's getting getting really popular and is really effective for so many people who are in these kind of really deep ingrained behavioral patterns yeah. that are so toxic in the world. Uh, I mean, sociologists have, have identified like three phases that constitute a proper rite of passage. And that is first 
Separation, which we talked about, getting independent, getting a loan. Uh, two would be transition, having a transformational, deep, mm -hmm. impactful event. You know, tribal cultures is you, you send the, the man or the boy out into the wild. They're separated. They have to go, come, come to grips with the challenge of hunger and danger. And maybe it's a wolf or a lion or a cave or the darkness. And they have this transformational experience of overcoming that obstacle to then achieve a new rewired, completely reshuffled deck of behavioral cards that they then get to last step on the three steps of the rite of passage integrate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, I was just going <laughs> to say that um, I, I recently heard Paul check talking about this and the importance of right rites of passage and this, this process that you just explained if the young man, usually they're like, you know, 13, 14 years old, if the young man can't go through that process successfully, some tribes in some cultures would actually put that person to death totally. because they, they are realizing like, well, if you can't carry your own weight, if you can't get through this, you're basically useless to the tribe and, and we're going to, you know, get rid of you and, and that may not be the case now where we need to survive you know so yeah. we need to but but it's but such, that's how it's, seriously it's they took toxicity. it toxicity yes these out of balance versions of the ma of the masculine are absolute toxicity for our world yeah and so lastly kind of just to sum this thing up as you as you look to pivot the dictator or the tyrant into the magician and into the king archetype using potentially one of these more drastic means of of a rite of passage or a deep transformational experience until you are able to break away from the world that owes you something from your perspective and your lens and you you don't start taking radical responsibility of your own life and gain insight into empathy you will always be insecure prone to the dictator and generally unable to step into your full embodied masculinity we don't want that we don't want that but there's a lot of that going around there is <laughs> all right number three last one on the feminine this is the cinderella battered housewife <laughs> <laughs> so this would be like if you guys have seen um the movie bad moms this is Kristen bell's character or like the wife from men in black where her husband just like rules the roost and tells her like do this don't do that get back in the house do that and she like barely can even speak without like quote unquote getting in trouble yeah this is like the classic like very traditional relationship where man is the head of the household and the the wife obeys right exactly but to the extreme, to the extreme. in that it becomes almost like abusive and yeah. and we match these up really nicely um the battered housewife could absolutely be paired with a dictator and their in their um deficiencies could again match up like a puzzle piece so what does cinderella battered housewife look like <laughs> this is like the um this is like the opposite of matches made in heaven yes right exactly <laughs> so she is one to suppress her feelings on the reg every day she is pushing down her true emotions and feelings she is almost like this shell of who she once was and 
she is probably finding her identity uh, like 100% either from her partner, her man, uh, or her family at large, like if she has kids. This could easily be, like I said already, in relationship with the tyrant or the dictator and could easily be a uh, sort of um, the type two Enneagram, which is the helper, where they find their value in life by helping and extending themselves, which is a beautiful thing. My mom's a type two. My best friend's a type two. That's great. It's wonderful. But when you extend yourself too much to the point where you disappear, now you're a shell that only exists to make others happy. So this is when it becomes really unbalanced and unhealthy. So this type of woman, her sensuality has completely withered away with, along with her sense of her true authentic self. What do I love? What are my passions? What am I, what excites me in life? What turns me on? As our friend uh, Louis Schwartzberg Mm, would say, what is turning me on in life, right? And, uh, you know, she doesn't take any time dedicated to herself. You're turning me on. (laughs) Right. Uh, She feels like any needs that she may have, oh, that's too much. No, it's selfish. I don't want to do that. It it would be selfish of me, right? So her value is wrapped up completely in how happy her partner is or how how happy her kids are. So essentially... (laughs) If she is on a plane that's going down, she's ready to help everyone on the plane put on their oxygen mask before she even touches her own. And there's a reason why they say, put on your own oxygen mask before you assist even your child. It's because if you are extending yourself from an empty cup, you're not extending yourself. And that pressure, this is why it's really harmful, that pressure will build up. It might take two years or 20 years, but it will build up to the point where you can't handle it anymore. You will blow your fucking lid and your family will be wondering like, what happened to mom? Why is she freaking out? Why did she leave? Why did, what is going on? Why did she have this breakdown? It's because we are not designed to, to exist that way where our fulfillment comes you know, is directly a one for one with someone else's fulfillment. We have to take care of ourselves. And this is sort of a, you know, a hot take right now. You know, there's a lot of conversations about the greater good and everything like that. And it always sounds great, right? It sounds really romantic and fluffy and all of that. But when you think of, okay, well, if I'm not taking care of myself, you know, who, who really is, who is going to, who can take care of me better than me? And the answer is no one. So, you know, this is sort of the out of balance mother and maiden in, in combination. This is our connection to intuition and resiliency and the ability to evolve during periods of darkness or um, negativity. So when she has this daily practice of suppressing her feelings day in and day out, she will eventually lose touch with that spark of the the feminine intuition and connection to the divine in herself. We all have that spark of divinity in ourself. But if we continue to not listen to it and not uh, look at it, not feel into it, that's when it gets really unhealthy. So this will, she'll feel like she's 
you know, lonely. She'll, it'll be confusing and totally unsatisfying. She could, you know, look around at her life and be like, okay, I have, you know, a good quote unquote life. I have a husband and kids and I have the white picket fence, but why am I so unhappy? And it's because she has completely lost touch with that which connects her to her soul, her physical body to her soul. So if anyone's listening and they're like, okay, that's, uh, I'm sort of there or I, I don't want to become that, how do we get back into balance? So to invite more balance, she must reconnect with herself on a very deep level. I would say start a practice of, of daily, on a daily basis, leaning into her feelings. And this could be something as simple as getting into nature more. Nature, it's coming up a lot. (laughs) I know, seriously, on every single one. Getting into nature more. Start a creative practice like painting Mm, that allows expression, free expression of the soul without judgment. Start journaling your feelings. Just ask the question, how am I feeling today? Like, what's my baseline? Start observing and listening to yourself. She must start seeing herself as worthy. Again, just like the aspirational influencer, she must start seeing herself as worthy apart from anything else that she does externally, whether for her family, maybe it's out of love and goodness and all of those things. She is worthy apart from those acts, apart from that connection to helping others. So I would also say to seek out quality me time. And, you know, she could ask herself, like, go through the quiz of the five love languages. And I would say, whatever that is, maybe it's quality time and touch. Start giving those things to yourself. Totally. So, So... those are just some some ways to, you know, start just paths to start walking down. And, you know, there's no like set algorithm or equation to get to balance. Only the person who's diving into these um, can really evaluate. Am I getting better? Am I feeling better in my life? You know, um, is my reality expressing and reflecting more of what I want to create? And keep asking yourself these questions. And, and I think, you know, this is just um, awareness and kind of where to start. Yeah. And, and so that wraps up our, our six, our three men and our three women, our three masculine, our three feminine. And it's awareness. It's, it's a giant stamp of awareness on these uh, profiles that exist in our world. I bet that all of you are familiar with these. You know, you've seen them in what we consume Mm-hmm. you've felt them in your relationships and maybe you have even shown them to a certain degree in your life by embodying these sort of unbalanced versions. For sure. Nobody has the perfect step-by-step approach on how to break out of this or how to how to interact with the person that you love and care about who might be embodying some of these tendencies. But what you can do is start putting your consciousness on these archetypes and the energy that is uh you know beneath them and just start asking one question deeper Mm -hmm. you know maybe it's why maybe it's where did this come from and troubleshooting your way through this at the minimum you have a few more tools in your tool belt for Mm -hmm. evaluating these types of things as they show up in life um, and at the maximum you you have the capability to listen listen to your own intuition 
and uh, realize that there is a navigation path around and through these. Yeah, absolutely. And I I know we've said this before on previous episodes, especially with our friend Aaron Abke, but the best thing that each one of us can do who is looking around and wondering like, how are we ever going to level up as a world? How are we ever going to get past this problem? Whatever the problem is, there's a lot of them. It has to start with the most important place that you can, and that is yourself. Yeah. And raising our own level of consciousness is the best. Not like second best, not good, the best thing that we can do for our world. Apart from all the fundraisers and all the posts and all the education on social media and, and the like, the best thing that we can do is look at ourselves, gain awareness, ask the hard questions and be open to the answers and then take one step towards where you want to be. Save the world. I love it. <laughs> Save the world. You know what I'm going to ask you. I do. What my love for you today is your medicine. Mm. Besides your beautiful baby blues. <laughs> You just made the weirdest face. Um, besides your eyes that I get to look into every day and connect with. Mm, I love them. I would say another shout out to Chocolate Gold amongst our many amazing products that we get to use and utilize in our life. And although I know we are both healthy and we could do just fine without these things, all these supplements and tinctures and powders and, you know, superfoods and all of that. It really does allow for more magic and ritual and enhancement hmm. of a healthy life. Yeah. And I never want to rely on them, but I'm always so grateful for them. Yeah. They, so. they invite more richness and ritual into my life. And I, I hope we always indulge in that. Yeah, no, said said very well. What about you, my love? Um, oh, mine's really similar, and it's been put to the test a little bit here in the last you know month or so. As listeners know, we have what we call the medicine cabinet, which is our completely vetted, basically personal supplement collection that we've gone out and tried on uh, before listing, and then and then finding discounts for all listeners mm -hmm. and people who follow us. So, you know, the medicine cabinet, if you don't know, is essentially our, our store that features all of the products that we either use or, or actually we use them all, but use or we partner with uh, because it's, it supports the podcast. So if you purchase from the medicine cabinet, you're not only getting, you know, an incredible supplement in your life or an incredible product in your life, but it's actually, you know, contributing to, you know, what it takes to produce and, and make this show. Um, but, but we've always said, hey, we vet these things. We run them through our bodies for at least 30 days. A lot of times it's like months and months and months where we're actually buying the products yeah. ourselves. <laughs> yeah. uh, we're not getting them handed to us um, to, to truly make sure that they're uh, authentically good for us. Yeah. And so this has been put to the test and I really enjoy this process. I absolutely love trying new products on and, and uh, putting new supplements into my life. And, and I'm just grateful for that. And so that is my medicine is literally the process by which we vet 
supplements, other companies, other products, other brands. And, it, and when I say it's been put to the test, I mean uh, we have had opportunities of late to take free shit um, <laughs> yeah. uh, for the deal of promoting it. Yeah. And have done a little bit of an integrity check, checked in with each other and ourselves and, and been quite honest and, uh, you know, forthcoming with these other brands and, and groups that want to like literally hand us a bunch of free stuff um, and just say, hey, we have a, a protocol here. We have a sequence of how we do this. And um, you're, in all respect and in all sincerity, uh, we'll have to sort of like follow that protocol yeah. of, of trial and, and testing it on and um etc cetera, etc cetera. so with that my medicine is is really the process that we've built out for the medicine cabinet making sure that we're completely stage gating and vetting these things before we put them on a website to sell uh or to offer as um a gift opportunity for our community and uh, i'm just really grateful for that that we've been able to layer that kind of um integrity and then been held accountable to it by the universe um, as we as we do this thing, love it. I, yeah. lo- I love that word stage gating. You like that? I did. Yeah, turning me on now. <laughs> I'm a stage gate. All you. right, you guys, we gotta go. <laughs> Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Medicine. We love you all. Go spread some light. Okay, bye. bye. If you liked this episode, make sure you hit that subscribe button in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you prefer to listen. This will ensure that every episode drops into your library automatically. Also, make sure you're following me on Instagram at Mimi underscore The Medicine. To learn more about our favorite health products, foods, and supplements we discuss on here, visit GetMimiFit.com forward slash The Medicine Cabinet, or just check the show notes below. Until next time. Cheers, boo.